1 Samuel chapter 30 is a chapter that describes life at its worst, its lowest ebb. For sake of time, I'm going to walk through the passage without reading all of it because I'm under time constraint. David had fled from Saul for months and months and landed in Philistine territory, eventually settled in a town given to him specifically for him and his men by the name of Ziklag. And what came to be the final battle between the Philistines and Saul, the particular king of the five kings of the Philistines, that David was more or less under, decided that David and his men would join the battle. They marched for three days. The other lords of the Philistines said, this is the guy of whom it was said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. This is his time to flip. We're not going to have it. He goes home. So David and his men traipsed three days back home. When they got to Ziklag, they found nothing but ashes. No material benefits, no family, no livestock, nothing. His men were clearly exhausted. I assume he was as well. They were so overwrought, the men who had jeoparded their lives for quite a long time to protect David's spoke of stoning him. They were so overwhelmed. Dr. Marriott, in our morning session, morning chapel, referred to the fact that we are in a dark world, and it's getting darker And I know you've worked hard, and I'm glad for that, and you've probably seen a few cloudy days along the way of getting to where you are. But you're going out into a world very different than the one that the men and women on this platform went out into at your age, with challenges that we did not have, with animosities that we did not face, with battles to be fought, that we didn't have to fight. It would be naive to think otherwise. In dark days such as these, sort of like what some of you have felt this last week in exam week, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there's much rubbish, rubbish, and we are not able to build the wall. Discouragement. Satan's greatest tool to defeat the people of God is more often internal discouragement rather than external assault. More often than not, as the burdens grow and the uh, the resources diminish and the problems compound, how shall we respond? Well, I think the Bible gives us an answer in this chapter. 
David, in verse 10, let's back up. David, in verse 6, was greatly distressed. The people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's what I want to try to do for a few minutes tonight. What does it mean to encourage yourself? Well, the reality is if you're waiting for someone else to encourage you, you may find yourself waiting for a long time. Because most people, even good people, are too absorbed with their own crises to notice that you need encouragement. So the encouragement must be personal. David encouraged himself. He could not look to his men. They were probably past any ability to be of any help or encouragement to him at this point. Besides, he had to face his own despair. His own family was gone. A universal biblical truth for the Christian life. You cannot be a blessing until you get one. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Anyone who's ever been in leadership knows that the buck stops at the top doesn't really matter what the problem is. doesn't matter who created the problem. The buck always stops at the top, and at this point, David's at the top. What is he going to do? Well, it's for sure that you cannot lead anyone higher than you've gone yourself. If you're wallowing in the pit of despair because of your own difficulties you're not going to be equipped to reach down from above that pit to lift other people out. The psalmist said, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Frankly, that's what David does. He looks to God and notice it's not just a personal encouragement. It is encouragement in a person. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You see, encouragement is not circumstantial. It's reverential. 
It's not plastering on a happy grin and feeling better about things. It's not hoping for a better tomorrow. It's not whistling in the dark. It's turning your gaze from the problem to the problem solver. So encouragement is not circumstantial. It's reverential. When the outlook is hard, try the uplook. We have to learn, and I hope you've learned much of this in your time here at Maranatha, that you have to look at life through the lens of faith. God gave you a mind and you've been using it, and that's good. And you have resolved problems and solved problems and learned problem-solving techniques, but ultimately, you can't look to yourself or to others. You've got to have your eyes on your God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. 1940, Wendell Loveless, and I know 1940 is ancient history, but if you're a history major, you know that was on the verge of something pretty big in our world. In 1940, Wendell Loveless wrote this little chorus that we sang a lot when I was younger. What though wars may come with marching feet and beat of the drum? For I have Christ in my heart. What though nations rage as we approach the end of the age? For I have Christ in my heart. God is still on his throne. Almighty God is he. And he cares for his own throughout eternity. So let come what may, whatever it is, I only say, I have Christ in my heart. I have Christ in my heart. You see, this encouragement is based on a personal relationship. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. None of us are going to get through the days that are ahead if we don't learn to walk with God. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And with confidence, circumstances might change. But your relationship with God does not. And he who spared not his own son but delivered him up for, him, uh, for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? My God shall supply all your Need singular, the sum total of all that is required to accomplish his will. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Christ we have all we need. And frankly, I, I'm afraid we insult God by groveling in self-pity when we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. David did. And you must do that first. Then you can do the second step that he took here. David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. What do you do when perplexed? 
Most of us have a mantra, why pray when you can worry? That's not the way it works. Why worry when you can pray? And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and often in life. You're going to find yourself at a crossroads and unsure which way to go, what to do. But if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You might say, well, I've prayed and I still don't have the answer. Then you pray until you do. The crises days of my life, and there have been those, especially when I was faced with the decision of a big ministry change. I found the best thing I could do was sequester myself with the Bible and read and pray. And read and pray. And read and pray. Because God's not trying to hide his will from us. And if I have my attention on him, and if I'm operating through the lens of faith, I can inquire with faith and expect an answer. David did, and he received such an answer. In order to find the will of God, you must ransack the scriptures Examine your hearts, repent of your sin, and seek God's face until you're brought into conformity with God's word and you'll understand God's will. David knew what to do, and at that point, he was where you really are in your life. He encouraged himself, he inquired of the Lord. And then he engaged. So David went. He and the 600 men that were with him. And they came to the brook Bosar. Where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. For 200 abode behind. Who were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. They'd already been marching for six days. They are worn out. So with smaller troops. He still pursued the will of God that he perceived through meditation upon the truth and seeking God's face. Listen, when your friends have grown weary and fallen behind, when people you're attempting to lead are following you fearfully, still you must press on because the victory is the Lord's. And out of the ashes of Ziklag snatched from the massive horns of despair in the face of superior numbers, the victory was of the Lord. In this passage, David came down to the marauders, the Amalekites. He smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. There escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great. 
neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. All of this because David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. I think it was D.L. Moody who said to his sons, boys, with God on your side, plan big. Now, whatever God has for you to do will be big. may not be big in the eyes of other people, but if it's God's will, it's a big thing. And by God's grace, you can do anything God wants you to do. Keep your eyes on him. Make the throne room of God one of your secret places to which you repair often, not just in times of trouble. Don't be lazy. Don't take what you've been given here for granted and decide that you have topped the crest. You're just beginning. If you get lazy, God might have to let your ziklag burn so you're drawn back to his resources. But with his help, every one of you can and will succeed to the praise of his glory.